Woo, someone's excited. Amen. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone that has stood with us in this past season, um, especially um, for those that you don't know, my wife um, became ill, and we did, it did not present like it. what it ended up being. It was completely, she ended up having a ruptured appendix, so it did not start with just pain down to the side. It was just general belly pain, and we went about three days and finally ended up with the doctor, and um, anyway, she was in the hospital for six days on massive antibiotics, had to have emergency surgery, and um, this house, you also blessed us. I mean, just your love, the food, um, the gifts. People have, I mean, we have had just, uh, we confess, you know, unexpected gifts. Well, we've been recipients of that to help pay for our medical bills. We want to say thank you to everybody. Um, the Lord has been faithful, um, and he is good, and his goodness will overtake us. Amen. Um, I am, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, for those of you that are not familiar, um, I mean, I, I walk in a lot of different stuff, but one of the things I do walk in is prophetic teaching, and really today is going to be a prophetic teaching, and I'm going to reference a passage. I'm not going to spend a lot of time opening up the scripture. You all are adults. You're Bereans. You can read the Bible. I exhort you, go to the Word. Read the Word. He will teach you. Micah 4, in the latter days, all will go up to the mountain of the Lord, a place of government. All will enter into the mountain of the Lord, and they, and they will be taught by him. Amen? So, yes, you will be taught by men, and how Holy Spirit speaks through happens to be me today. God bless you. All right? <clears throat> but you also are taught of the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the same access to the same revelation that the most amazing scholars and biblical scholars have, you are not less than, you have access. And the only thing that's keeping you from thinking that is your own mind. And you cut off your own door into revelation because you think you can't do it. I'm telling you by the word of the Lord, you can do it. Because the same spirit occupies you that occupies those that have accessed that revelation. Okay? All right, I just, I just went off on a rabbit trail. That's a good thing. So here's another thing. I, um, this has been a very interesting season. How many of you um, are aware Billy Graham passed away? Okay, well, I'm going to reference that a little bit today. In the midst of all that, the Lord's been speaking to me. I delivered the message that I'm going to give up in northern Virginia. Um, I'm going to speak it over harvest, but then this guy here in town, some of you know him, um, he hands out keys prophetically and um, this past week, he's been trying to get a hold of me, and he said, I was supposed to do this the first time. I gave you a small key the first time, but the Lord has been telling me I'm supposed to have given you a big key, and it's finally time for me to give you a big key. And so he gave me a key. Now, one of my life verses that's also in Revelation, it's quoted in Revelation out of the Old Testament, is Isaiah 22:22. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And we're in a season, in a time, a shift, a kairos moment where the Lord has opened up a new season. The old season has passed away, and behold, he is doing a new thing. In part, as crazy and as silly and as unusual as it might be, I want you all to partner with me today on us together agreeing with the Lord that we are going to see that the door of our destiny is being unlocked and we are going to step in. So I want you to be, I want you to get out of your religious box. I want you to stand up and we are going to unlock the door prophetically with this key, right? And then we're going to agree with the Lord that our door of destiny, both individually and corporately, is open. And that we're going to cross over into promise, because we're talking about that today, right? And so in the name of Jesus, we put the key that, Lord, that you have given me. And, I, Lord, I know this looks crazy, but we're going to do it anyway. It's fun. And, God, we say we speak to the door of destiny, both individually over this house and over, the, over this region. And we declare in the name of Jesus, this door is now unlocked. Click, 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 click. And the door is now open, and now take a step through. We step in to promise. We say, yes, God. We thank you, God. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. 
Thank you, Lord. You know, I mean, come on. If God can send all the crazy things that he's done, he's not, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, okay? And, um, and how much more us under a better covenant is he going to do amazing, mighty works in our day? I mean, Jesus did promise that we would do even greater things than he did. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, we have stepped into a new age. Now, hear me. Don't allow that religious thing mess you up with the word new age. What I'm declaring is that we are literally stepping into a time and season that is multi-generational that marks a major shift in the church. Amen? Many of us, um, you can go ahead and bring up Joshua 3 up on the screen if you'd like. Um, many of us, even before 2012, were hearing, and it was beginning to be prophesied, that there was a great awakening coming. We've heard it over and over and over again. Great awakening, great awakening, great awakening, third great awakening, great awakening. Now you all agree? All right, don't shout me down. Okay, so there was a, there's a third great awakening coming, and and... Around 2012, we had the whole calendar deal with the Aztec, Aztec or Mayan calendar? Mayan calendar, thank you, my friend. Um, the Mayan calendar, and, and, you know, we had the movie 2012 with, you know, the destruction of the world and the shift of the poles and all that crazy stuff, okay? All of that aside, the scripture is clear to us that he will give us signs in the heaven above to declare to us what he is doing in the earth. The, the earth completed a physical cycle in the cosmos coming back to, to the end of a 26,000-year cycle. That's how accurate the Mayan calendar is. It's crazy accurate. And, and so uh, get, get all the hocus-pocus part of it. Let's look at it through the eyes of the Spirit. There has been a cycle in the cosmic realm that has been completed, and we have stepped into a new cycle. That is fact. That's scientific fact. That is not mumbo-jumbo, new age craziness. That's fact. And in, in the alignment of times and seasons, we have stepped into a kairos time and a kairos moment where the church hasn't just moved into a new season, it has moved into an age. You need to understand that a season is a period of time within one person's lifetime. An age is multi-generational. It's decades, if not centuries. Are you all tracking with me this morning? We have stepped into what I would call it, I'm using my words, what in my finite mind, what God has given me by revelation of the Holy Spirit, what we would call the kingdom age, okay? Now, when I speak about kingdom age, I'm not talking about a global Christian theocracy. That is not the heart of the Father. That is domination, manipulation, and control. That is not what God is doing. What he is doing is what, we, what I quoted out of Micah, that the, the mountain of the Lord will be chief above every mountain. Mountains are government. That's what it spiritually represents in Scripture. Mountains are government. And the mountain of the Lord is now going to rule out of a greater law, a greater revelation, a greater manifestation, his kingdom government upon the earth as it is in, hello. So that means, it doesn't mean what I said, or what I was referencing, it doesn't mean a global Christian theocracy. It means that the government of God is coming into its place in this age to be demonstrated, and I mean demonstrated, in a way that the, the authority of that government supersedes the authority of every other government. We're going to talk about today the principles that God wants to give us about crossing over because this is a global thing that I'm speaking about. It's a, it's a regional thing that I'm speaking about. It's a corporate thing, and it's an individual thing. It's, we're, we're all tied together in this. 
And this is, and the Lord wants us to be prepared because he's calling us, like Israel, to cross over into astounding promise. Let's go ahead and read Joshua 3 before I get too ahead of myself. Um, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to read the very first few verses. It's going to be in the Amplified Classic up on the screen. I'd happen to have, I think, New King James or NIV. So just go with it. Um, and then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all of the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you must set out, to, set out from your place and go after it. And you just put in parentheses in your notes, go after the presence. Okay? And it goes on, I'm not going to read the rest of the passage, but it goes on about the instruction and what happens and as I was reviewing this and I, and the Lord, I was, and I was th- meditating on it, the Lord began to speak to me like he has not before about this passage. How many of you are familiar with this passage? How many of you have read it more times than you can count? How many of you know that there are times and seasons when the Logos word becomes Rhema word and all of a sudden there's revelation that you hadn't seen before? Come on. And that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about a kingdom age, we have to, let me lay some groundwork so I can then jump into Joshua 3. How many of you know that Jesus said, we will do even greater things than he did? Okay, I referenced that already. Okay. How many of you believe it? I just got an answer. Okay. Now, I'm going to speak of my own testimony and I'm going to speak of myself, so no one take any false accusation. But, you know, 10 years ago, I was a good charismatic, and I said I, I said I believed in healing. I said I believed in miracles. Did I see them very often? No. Why? I will speak for myself. Though I said I believed with my mouth, my mouth and my heart were not in alignment. Because, for me, I did not believe that God wanted to truly use me. I discounted myself. He didn't discount, discount me. His word says he has already qualified me. Pastor Rifle mentioned that this morning. But because of my own soul, I did not believe in my heart, and my words in my heart were not in alignment. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. Our spirit is perfect because of the work of Jesus Christ. We have been born again. Our spirit, man, has been regenerated. We are perfectly in union with him. I am in him and he is in me. Ephesians bears this out over and over again. In him, in him, in him. He dwells in me in all of his fullness in the power of the Holy Spirit. What is that? It's the kids. It sounds like a flock of geese dying. Oh, my gosh. All right. So we're spirit, soul, and body. We are, the spirit man has been completely regenerated. It's perfect. When God sees us, he sees the completed work of what's been done in our spirit. We are completely reconciled. There is no separation. None. Everything else inside of you in your soul that makes you think you're separated is a lie. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You can't be separated. I've said this before in my John 17 message. He has created for us a fourth place in the Trinity in Jesus. We We have been brought fully in through the work of Christ into a place of such intimacy and oneness, we, we, it is possible, probable, and it is promised that we will walk in the same unity with Him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as they walk in with each other. That is not in the by and by. That is for us today. So Jesus promised we would do even greater things. Let me ask you a question. 
what in your imagination would be greater than raising the dead? That, that would pretty much, yeah, top it, wouldn't it? But yet, I mean, here Jesus demonstrated resurrection from the dead, laying hands on dead people. The little girl who was dead up in the, in the room, and he lays hands on her, and bam! You know, hey, feed her. She's hungry. She's awake. She's only sleeping, you know. I mean, he, what, I mean and yet Jesus promised that we were going to do even greater works than him. Those works and demonstrations of glory are for a purpose. And I've already laid this foundation. For those of you that don't know, go look at John 17. There's a purpose for the glory. God wants to glorify you so that he can be glorified. We're not just servants. We're sons. We're sons of God. Ladies, you can be a son. I can be a bride. Okay? So we're sons of God. Okay? And sons partner with their father in the father's house and in the father's business. They carry the father's heart. They carry the father's intent. And they act on behalf of the father just like Jesus did when the Lord opened up the heavens and said, Behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was a reference in Hebrew culture to when a father, when a child would come to the age of 13, around 13, the bar mitzvah, right? The age of maturity. The father would bring his son out into the marketplace and say, Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. What he speaks, what contracts he makes, what he does, he does on my behalf, and I will back him 100%. The father is coming to the church in this season to bring us this revelation of sonship in order that we may carry the Father's heart, carry His intent with His authority, and step out demonstrating His heart, intent, and authority, establishing kingdom government on earth as it is in heaven, like it has never been seen before. Let me, laying some more foundation, let me ask you a question. All the miracles that Jesus did, what covenant was He operating out of? And rifle, be quiet. Out of all the miracles that Jesus did, what covenant was he manifesting those miracles out of? The old covenant. Why? Because he had not died, he wasn't buried, and he had not been resurrected. It was his death, burial, and resurrection that sealed the new covenant. So when he promised us that we were going to do even greater things than he did, He was not speaking about the glory of the old covenant. He was speaking about the glory of the new covenant. Jesus was able to do the miracles and the things he did out of the old covenant because he did one thing that no man could ever do in regard to the law. And he did what? He obeyed. It's his obedience that brought forth a righteousness that has been imputed upon us. His obedience gave him access to the glory of the old covenant, which then was demonstrated through signs, wonders, and miracles to testify of himself and his father and to make his father known. Behold, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. And so if Jesus, out of obedience, was manifesting a glory out of the old covenant, What does Paul tell us in Corinthians and beyond about the glory of the Old Covenant versus the glory of the New Covenant? The glory of the Old Covenant is fading. But yet it was a great glory. But the New Covenant glory is what? Increasing. Never diminishing. Growing brighter and brighter and brighter. And so... What I'm trying to do is is give you a picture to shift your thinking and your mind about what we're stepping into. Because I believe as we step into this age of the kingdom, of demonstration of heaven upon earth, that we we have to shift our thinking. We have to repent, come up to a higher place, and get a broader view and see what God is doing because His Spirit is speaking. And it is, and, it, and, and I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I can't hit the pulpit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, the time has come. The time is here. My wife always gets on me when I 
do this. So, <clears throat> so a number of years ago, uh, in 2014, Dr. Miles Monroe uh, from the Bahamas passed away in an airplane crash. How many of you remember that? Okay. Um, and at the time, I went on YouTube, and I found a video of him in one of his services where he was prophesying about what God was doing. And he was declaring as a word of the Lord that, that there was, God was creating, he was making a shift, and it was time for the Moseses to move out of the way in order for the Joshuas to come. And that there was a generation, a new generation of leadership that was coming upon the earth to carry the church into its promise. And as he was prophesying, he actually prophesied his own demise, his own death. Uh, and it was, it was striking. And I remember when I was watching it and I was listening to it, the Lord spoke to me and he, and, and he was, out of what I was hearing from Dr. Miles Monroe, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, there are a number of fathers in the faith that are commonly known to us. That when they, they are going to, as Dr. Miles Monroe prophesied, they would be removed, they would shift, they would, they would get out of the way because the pr principle was that he was saying was that Joshua could never fully have taken his place unless Moses had moved out of the way. And that God was calling Moses to move out of the way so that Joshua could come in and take the place and do what God had called them to do. And, and the Lord spoke to me, and he, and, and he just was said that you know, there, there are common fathers that you know that are common to us all that are going to, in this next season, there's going to be a transition of moving on. Some of them are going to pass away. That's something that Dr. Miles Monroe said, speaking of himself and others. And I knew instinctively that one of them was Billy Graham. And as Billy Graham transitioned, the day that, he, that I got the, the, the Apple news feed on my phone, I, I got online. Y'all need to follow me. But anyway, I got online, and um, I was at the gym, of all places, and I, and I just I let out a prophecy about the time is now. It's come. This is what the Lord has said, and it is here. And Billy Graham, I think, was the last one. And, and what's interesting is, did you all find that clip of um, Ann Ann? Lots Graham and the eulogy. Promised land, and then God has called him home. And then could it be that God is going to bring Joshua to lead us into the promised land, to lead us to heaven? And do you know what the New Testament name is for Joshua? It's Jesus. And I believe this is a shot across the bow from heaven. And I believe God is saying, wake up, church. Wake up, world. Wake up, Anne. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And Jesus said, when the gospel is preached to the whole world, as it is today in the service, as it is through churches, missionaries, ministries, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, when the gospel is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. Here is an evangelical who is Baptist who probably doesn't even believe in prophecy without knowledge by the Spirit of God was prophesying to the very thing that I'm talking about this morning. She was saying that her father represented a Moses and that his passing represented a shot across the bow of the church to wake up and that there is a there are Joshua leaders that God is bringing forth to carry the people of God into promise. Part of this promise is, uh, okay, I'm good on time. Part of this promise is us stepping into the things that Jesus promised like never before. I ministered this message up in Northern Virginia, and one of the things that I said, and I'm going to repeat it here because it needs to be released into the atmosphere is that if Jesus, who was known for the one who raised people from the dead, I'm not talking about, you know, just flatlined on the table at the hospital and they were dead. I'm talking about they've been in the morgue for three days and they resurrected. That's Lazarus, right? Okay. I can't, I have a hard time. As crazy, charismatic, and Holy Ghost wired as I am, okay, I, I, yeah, I know who I am, okay. 
as crazy as I am, I have a hard time wrapping my mind about what type of manifestations of glory would be even greater than that. But that is what Jesus promised. And that, let me tell you, the, we talked about this in John 17. What is the purpose of the glory? The purpose of the glory, according to John 17, is so that the world will know that Jesus was sent of the Father. So what is getting ready to happen is, there, like Bob Jones prophesied before his passing, I believe in this age, not only will there be the demonstration of glory like we've never seen before, but there is going to be a harvest, an unprecedented harvest like we have never seen before either. The billion soul harvest is coming upon us quickly. Now, let me give you an idea here. The reason that God wants to demonstrate his glory is because he wants to glorify his church so that the church can have the place, the recognition that people would stand back and go, surely the Lord is among them. Jesus said to the Pharisees, if you can't believe in the message that I bring to you, then believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. For far too long, the church has spoken and not demonstrated, and the people have grown deaf to our voice. But what is coming is that the Lord is going to bring power and glory to demonstrate that the ears that have been closed will now be open. What I said up in Northern Virginia and, I'll, and the statement that I'll make here is that there will be no shades of gray as we move into this age. The demonstration and the power of the glory coming upon the church manifested outside of the four walls. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Sons don't just stay in the temple. They don't habitate in the temple. They come to the temple and they worship they, they minister unto God, and then they go out into the countryside. Sons do not habitate in the temple. There will be no shades of gray. Because of the demonstration, it will be undeniable and what I said was that either people will, their eyes will be open, they will come into agreement with the truth, who is a person whose name is Jesus, and they will come in, or they will stand starkly opposed, and they will hate. There will be no shades of gray. I'm not saying this is going to happen tomorrow. Like I said earlier, we've stepped into an age, and within an age, it's multi-generational. But I got news for you, we are the generation that is crossing over and stepping into that age. How many of you would like to partner with the Lord in that? Okay. So in the last 15 or so minutes, um, I'm going to share with you what the Lord spoke with me out of Joshua and, um, and the principles for crossing over. Now, um, the first thing is that you read this. I think Pastor Manuel spoke about it in one of his other sermons, that they came back to the same place. They had been at the Jordan before. Do you remember that? They sent the spies over. Caleb and Joshua were some of the spies. They brought back some of the fruit of the land, carrying it on. The, you know, the, the, the grapes were so big in the clusters, they had to carry them on poles. And, and they come back, and... The testimony is, is, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but the sons of Anak, the, Neph- the sons of the Nephilim, the giants are there, and we look like grasshoppers next to them, right? And their unbelief short-circuited their entry into the promise. Say, I will not partner with unbelief. Come on. And the Lord spoke to me about the second time that they came back. They came back essentially to the same place. And the first thing you have to recognize about crossing over into promise is that you will face the specter of past failure. Harvest Renewal Church, where God is calling you, you're going to confront the specter of your past failure, both individually and corporately. The difference between 
No, let me rephrase that. What I want you to take away from this, this, this concept is that a specter is not a corporeal entity. It has no flesh, it has no mass, it has no being to it. A specter is a figment. It is smoke and mirrors. In other words, it has no authority. It has no power other than what you give it. So I want to say to you, the first principle, if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, the first principle is be prepared to confront your past failure. But I got the news, the good news is that your past failure no longer defines who you are. The second thing that the Lord spoke to me in that vein was that the first time that Israel came to the Jordan, the first time they saw that God was with them. They saw Moses raise up the staff and the Red Sea part. They saw the water come out of the rock. They saw the, the plagues upon Egypt. They saw um, the, the anger of the Lord break out in the camp because of what they were doing. And, and they, I mean, they saw that God was with them. But when they came to the Jordan the first time, they did not know that God was with them. They saw with their eyes, but they were not convinced in their heart. The second time they came to the Jordan, there was a corporate knowing that God was with them. Because in their view, they were utterly convinced nothing was impossible. The promise is ours. It's ours to possess. And we're going to go for it. We're going after it. The Lord is with us. We can't do it, but he can. When I was explaining this um, at another time, I was sharing the concept being a father of four children. Many of you are parents. You know, we, 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 especially as fathers, we want a desire to emulate to our children safety, security, that they are loved and accepted. Um, especially as a father, I want my children to know that I am for them and I am with them no matter what. And how many of you recognize that when you have children, that if, if they know that their daddy, their papa, is with them, is for them in every way and is with them, is present, whether they fail, they skin their knee, they miss the mark, but that you are not going to withdraw your love, you're not going to withdraw your presence, you're not going to withdraw your provision, you're going to be with them and you're going to help them get through. How many of you know that child becomes fearless? Children whose, parent, whose father was absent or was not present, he may have been present in body, but not absent in emotion, and been absent in emotion. That when you have a child that's in, that, is, that has grown up in that type of environment, it's not impossible for them to overcome that. They will overcome. They can. I'm testimony of that. I overcame. But what I'm telling you is, is, that, is that fear grips them, and they are averse of risk. They won't take risk. Because they're afraid that if they fail, that love, provision, and security will be withdrawn from them. What we are stepping into in the first season of the age I'm speaking of is that the Lord is going to pour out by the Holy Spirit a corporate revelation of the knowledge of how much He really is with us. We've seen manifestations in prior generations, pockets of it, whether it's Smith Wigglesworth or Amy Simple McPherson or um, even Billy Graham. I listened to a clip from Billy Graham where he said, I am convinced the Lord is with me. The Lord is coming by his spirit to pour out a revelation that the people of God, the church, capital C, would be convinced that the Lord is with us. That we would become fearless because we are secure. And in that security, we would step out taking risk like we've never done before. That would give opportunity for the glory of God to manifest and be demonstrated like we've never seen before. So that the world would know that Jesus was sent and the harvest would come. 
How many of you would like you some of that? Amen. Okay. So take that down. The next thing, speaking of taking risks, that the Lord spoke to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You set this up. Um, is that Moses was not there to lift up the staff in front of the waters that stood in their way. They had to step into the floodwaters. The Jordan had overflown its bank. It was the season that the Jordan had overflown its banks, which means it was at flood stage. How many of you have seen the James when it's overflowed its banks? It's at flood stage. The leader with the staff wasn't there. He sent the priests of the Lord with the Ark of the Presence to step into the waters before they even parted, which means they had to carry, remember this, the Ark of the Covenant was a box that was made out of acacia wood, which is super dense, which means it's super heavy. It was overlaid in gold, and then the cover, the mercy seat, on top of it with the cherubim was made out of solid gold. Heavy. Heavy, heavy. And so these, these priests of the Lord were charged by Joshua to come and carry this ark and step into the raging floodwaters of a river. You, I want to paint a picture in your imagination. Go there with me. What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that number one, we are going to have to step into impossibility before we see the parting of the water. Here's another sub-note that you need to write in your notes. The priests of the Lord were those that ministered to God. Who were we? We are a kingdom of priests. Drop the mic, walk away, okay? We are a kingdom of priests. Number two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch you a little bit. I would, I would propose, according to the counsel of the word of God, that you are a living manifestation of the ark of his presence. Why? What does the New Testament tell us about who you are? You are a temple of... When we, knowing that God is with us, are willing to take the risk to step into impossibility before we see anything move, anything shift, anything change, knowing that we are priests of the Lord and an ark of his presence, he dwells in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I am in him and he is in me by the Holy Spirit in quantity and quality. And I will step into impossibility in the waters of impossibility and bam! The waters will part. As I trip over the stool. And so what I want to say to you is you need to remember who you are. You carry the very presence of the living God inside of you. Without measure. Without restraint. Do you, do you get that? I mean, without any restraint. The only thing, I, and I'll speak for me, the, I think one of the only things that prevents me from demonstrating even more glory and receiving even greater healings is the finite limitation of my own thinking. Lord, give me more revelation of you that I may be the son that you've called me to be. Amen. I saw Letty rolling her eyes and going like that. I was like, amen, yes. So, okay, so Joshua and the priests of the Lord go. The waters part. The waters heap up in a city far away, which is recorded, which means the miracle was big enough that the whole region knew about it, okay? The size of the miracle was big enough that the whole region knew about it because it didn't, it didn't heap up just down the road a little bit. It, it heaped up in a city down the river far away, Okay? And so they cross over onto dry land, they celebrate, they're consecrated, which means they're set apart for God's purpose, and the first thing that God has them do is he takes them where? What city did they go to? Say it together. Jericho. You need to write this down, this is important. Number one, as soon as we cross over into promise, guaranteed, 
we're going to confront a Jericho. Second thing you need to know, and I need to stand up for this one. The second thing you need to know about your Jericho is Jericho is not about you. The Lord spoke to me about this, and he says, you've looked at Jericho the wrong way. You've always looked at it through the eyes of my people. Why, you need to look at it through my eyes. I'm like, all right, Father. Well, how do you see it? He said, I didn't, I, yes, I used Jericho to bless my people, but I used Jericho. It wasn't about my people. My, my purpose in Jericho was to send a message to all the enemy in the land. The Lord took them to the most fortified city, the largest city, the most prosperous city, and he had them do the craziest thing that any military strategist would tell you would never work in a million years. They, because they knew that God was with them, they obeyed the Lord in radical obedience. The walls of the city fell down and they overcame the most fortified, largest city that was standing in opposition to them in the land. The Lord spoke to me. He said, I was sending a message to their enemy because if Jericho fell, none of them would stand. So, hey, listen to me. You're cheering now. <laughs> you're cheering now. But when your Jericho comes, you remember this moment. Because it will be time to shout and praise and you won't feel like it. It will be time to sound the shofar and to walk seven times and to shout and praise. And you're going to need to do it. Because there's purpose in your Jericho. It's to send a message to the enemy. They have come to obtain their promise and nothing will stop them. Sorry for getting loud, but I'm too excited. Now, this is the other thing. The Lord spoke to me, and he says, and it says this in Deuteronomy, Did not my word say that I would grant them cities they did not build, occupy homes that they did not construct themselves? And did I not say that my people would take plunder? He said, I, although I did not mean Jericho to be about my people, I was sending a message to the enemy. I did use Jericho to bless my people and to prosper my people like never before. They came into the largest city in the land. They occupied homes. They did not build themselves. They had the plunder and the wealth of the whole city, and God blessed his people. If you will choose to partner with the Father in allowing him to use you to bring down your Jericho, you will come into the most amazing prosperity you have ever seen in your life. Coming into promised land means you're going to have to confront your Jericho. But the promise of the Lord is that he's sending a message to your enemy and he's going to use it to bless you. So harvest, gird up your loins and get ready. We're going to cross over and we're going to face our Jericho. But God's going to give us the victory. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to prosper like never before. Some of us are not used to that. And we need to prepare our minds to get out of a poverty mindset and get into a mindset of prosperity. Prosperity does include money, but it also includes the soul. It includes relationships. It includes marriages. Prosperity is holistic. Everyone wants to pitch money out. Somehow money is dirty. No, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Someone who has dominion over it and does not make it an idol is someone who's powerful and can use it to move the kingdom forward. We need to be sons of God who are powerful, who have dominion over it instead of it over us and move the Father's kingdom forward. It's time to get over a poverty mindset. We need to shake that thing off once and for all. Just shake it off. It means you're going to have to change your thinking. It means you're going to have to change the way you handle money. It means you're going to have to change the way that you perceive other people's blessings. You need to celebrate other people's blessing. What you celebrate, you get more of. All right, I've gone down that enough. final point, which I've already said, and I'll, but I'll repeat it again because it's time, is that in this next age as we're moving forward, in order for us to move forward, the Father is, the father is a good Father. I mean, he's my Papa. He's your Papa. 
and he's for us and he's not against us. But I am utterly convinced, I have a conviction out of that has come out of encounter. Encounter brings revelation, revelation produces conviction, conviction changes behavior and you move in a different way. Okay? That's why I love conviction and encounter. Conviction is a gift. Okay? I am convicted by the Holy Spirit that we are entering into, in this stepping over, we are going to be in, moving into a season where the Lord is going to, by His Holy Spirit, is going to bring the revelation to His children of how much He is with us. How much He is for us and not against us. Because He wants us, through the encounter of that revelation, He wants us to move into conviction. So that out of conviction, obedience would come. And out of radical obedience, there would be demonstration of the fruits of repentance, demonstrating his glory so that the world would know that Jesus has been sent. Does that make sense? All right. Harvest renewal, I'll leave you with these words. Is that you're bigger than you think you are. You are so much bigger than you think you are. And it's time for you to shake off the limitations that we have held on to in our own thinking. This is going to sound crazy to some, and I'll explain it to you if you need explanation. But I, have, I, I step into the spirit. I encounter things in heaven. Yes, I'm weird like that. And it, but it doesn't mean that it's not God. And I know what's on the scroll in this church. I've seen what God's heart and purpose is for this church, what he has written upon the scroll of this church. And this church is not supposed to remain where it is. That may make some of you uncomfortable. That means there's change. Yeah, buddy, there's change. But God is, but look, just like Israel, they put the Ark of the Covenant, and you know what he told Israel? He says, follow the Ark, follow the presence. Where is the presence of the Lord taking his people? He's carrying us into promise. And I got news for you. I don't want to be left on the east side of the Jordan. I'm sorry? Right. I want, to, I want to go over. The point is, I want to go over. And I don't want to allow the paradigms of the past and the limitations of the past. I mean, Ryan Baster spoke this this past weekend. If you hold on to the things of your past, what once brought you freedom in the past will end up being the thing that held you in captivity in the future. And, and I've got news for you. We've had 18 years, 18 years in this place, which was a gift. It was a, it was a deeded gift paid for to us. And I've, been, I've said this before back in December. I'm going to say it again. We can no longer allow ourselves to be defined by the four walls of this building. We can no longer allow ourselves to be defined by what our budget says, what we, the budget says we can and can't do. No, we need to embrace who God says that we are and we move with Him and He will change the limitations. I'm telling you, there's change upon us, and it's the best thing that could ever happen to us. Because we as a people have a purpose that we need to execute in this city, because God has given us a mandate. He's given every expression of the local body of Jesus a mandate. I honor and bless the mandate of St. Paul's Baptist and Mount Moriah and and Grove Avenue Baptists and, and the Presbyterian churches and the Methodist churches, the Catholic churches. I bless all that are preaching Jesus. But what I will say to you is that it is time for you to embrace who God has called you to be and to lift up that banner and to cross over it so that people can come. How many of you want to be convinced of how much your father is really with you? Raise your hands. All right, stand up.
so what I would say to you, I would speak to your heart and just say your, your heart is free to receive from the Lord. And he is faithful and he is true. He's not a deceiver. He's not going to give you anything that you don't ask. That He's not going to give you counterfeit. Okay? What, is, what does the scripture tell us? If we ask for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give us stone or bread or scorpion. He's going to give us what we ask for, right? Or stone or scorpion. He's going to give us what he, we ask for. He's good. Our Father is a good Father. So just lift up your hands and, 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 and with intent, open up your heart to Him. And just say with me, Father, today, I desire that You would encounter me by Your Holy Spirit with the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know You better and that I would know really know to the point of being convinced without reservation that you are truly with me that you're truly for me that your glory is my rear guard that you flank me on either side and that you have gone before me you have made every valley plain You have made every mountain low. And you have gone ahead and warred on my behalf. Father, I want to partner with you. I want to be a true son. I want to bring your government, your dominion of heaven upon the earth. That the world may know that you sent your son, Jesus. Father, today, I've confessed the desire of my heart. I delight in you. And you say, if I delight in you, you will grant me the desire of my heart. It's done. It's sealed. It's recorded in heaven. Let it be so. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, if, I, I really want to encourage you. If there's anybody here that needs healing in your body, the Lord wants to touch you today. We have ministry teams. Um, if you have an emotional need or if you're struggling with something, our, our ministry teams are here up front. We want to encourage you, do not leave without receiving prayer. God wants to touch you. He wants to demonstrate his goodness to you and his love for you and make himself known to you. So don't don't allow yourself to be robbed of that blessing. Amen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you in the love of Jesus. I bless you. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you his shalom peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you.